Welcome. This is the Life Habits podcast series, and my name is Carl Vredenberg. This is a series that helps you to learn new habits in order to optimize your life, in order to stay sane in this crazy world. And this certainly is a crazy world that we're living in at the moment. And this is episode number 107. And the topic for today is checking in on mental health. And with that topic, you may very well expect that I will have with me Mandy Kloppers, psychologist from the UK. Welcome, Mandy. Hi, Carl. Lovely to be here. Thank you for inviting me. I'm looking forward to having an interesting chat about what's been going on in our crazy, strange lives at the moment. Yeah, they really are rather crazy and and strange. We plan to do this episode in order to sort of help people that are kind of struggling through this rather strange world we're living in. We are in a global pandemic. We also, right at the moment, are also in the middle of a lot of social unrest dealing with racial injustice. We record these podcasts and they last for a long time. So while we're right in the midst of this right now, we don't know where all this is going to be going. But I think there's also an experience of having levels of anxiety about what's going on right now that are still going to be appropriate to listen to many months or years in the future because we'll still be going through something else uh, that may be equivalent to that as well. So I wanted to start off, Mandy, and just ask you how you are. How are you dealing with this pandemic and this world that we're living in right now? It's been quite an unusual time, really. And I guess... um... You know, being one of the vulnerable group, I suppose, with cystic fibrosis, uh, it's been a little bit extra stressful, really. You know, feeling a bit hopeless and helpless, actually. That's the best word, I guess, helpless. You know, all these restrictions being brought in and not really feeling that you're able to be part of any decision. You're just kind of being told, stay at home, do what you're told. And a lot of fearful sort of words as well, I find on the news about this, you know, this invisible enemy and all of these kind of words that can can make us all feel quite fearful and anxious. And, you know, I think it's been a good a good lesson in terms of dealing with change because change is an inevitable part, inevitable part of life. Uh, this has been kind of an extra challenge in terms of dealing with change. has been, a, you know, I, sometimes that just felt surreal, really, you know, hearing that people were being arrested for having a barbecue or, you know, just signs up saying, you know, two meters apart. And it's just um, something you think you'd dream about and wake up and it would be like, oh, that was interesting. But in terms of what I've been doing, yeah, it's been tricky because all of my usual cystic fibrosis care has come to a complete stop, which is quite stressful. And I'm sure there might be other people dealing with either cancer or heart conditions or dementia that it just just kind of been put onto the back burner, which adds to the stress um, of you know, there's the silent killer, as they call it. And then also, you know, your existing conditions being ignored. So, you know, I, I find what I've done mostly is I've tried to keep myself busy, tried not to catastrophize too much. And at times, maybe not to watch the news every day, because I thought I found that that made me more stressed in a way. Initially, it was interesting to know what was going on. But eventually, I thought, no, just, you know, maybe watch every other day. And keeping busy with lots of hobbies, Um, I'm in the country at the moment, in the UK, which is really pretty, and it's spring here. So lots of baby birds being born and uh, it's a wonderful time. And it's actually inspired me to join a local wildlife rescue centre. Not at the moment because they're still in lockdown and they don't have enough staff to train out new volunteers, but hopefully once lockdown is over. But, yeah, it's a challenging time for everybody. 
That sounds sounds like you're in a nice situation. It looks like you're in a nice situation there as well. You know, I was reflecting while you're saying that, and I was very worried about you as well with your cystic fibrosis. And I think about that people are more vulnerable. Some people are more vulnerable than others. Also, people's reactions to a situation like this are also really varied. And so even people that are normally really quite resilient and uh, can adapt to day-to-day things quite well when things get thrown their way, they may be, you know, off kilter a bit too. And obviously people that already have difficulty with these kinds of challenges are even more challenged uh, with regard to a world that's so uh, stressful. So what, what kinds of approach do you think that people should take to this kind of new pandemic and even just in general the state of the world right now that is that is very unsettling for many many people what what kinds of things would you suggest people do you touched a little bit on what you you do yourself which is already a a, a good suggestion as well but what, what advice would you give I'd say that as much as possible try and be flexible in your thinking about what's going on in the world They say that if you're psychologically flexible, you have a higher percentage of being happier in life. So that entails, you know, looking at a situation and instead of being black and white about it, that it's awful or terrible, trying to glean if there are any positives out of it or trying to be adaptable in your behavior and your thinking. Uh, It can be easier said than done. But if you sit there telling yourself all day, every day, how awful it is and it's terrible and focus on everything that's negative, you're clearly going to get anxious and possibly depressed. Whereas if you try to find the positives, there are a few positives in terms of that nature is kind of regenerating. People are, they're connecting more than they ever did because there's more time. I've had so many clients come to say to me, gosh, I've actually caught up for the first time ever because I didn't have time before. So we have a bit more time. And I think that's also good for sitting and reflecting on what our values are, what's important to us. Maybe Doing a bit of a re reassessment of life. Self-care as well is clearly important in terms of looking after yourself. That is one thing we can control in all of this. So I found for myself I had more time to uh, look after myself. And you know, it sounds silly maybe, but putting hair conditioners on that I never did before, or you know, a face mask or stuff that I just would never have had the time for. And that psychologically boosts me. And I've heard that from clients, those that look after themselves tend to find that at least they can focus on that foundation core part of their life, which is them and their self-care. And from there, sort of explore a little bit more and and definitely keep in touch with people online if possible, because it can be a quick way to feeling depressed if we stay at home and we don't connect with anybody. Um, And there's been a lot of these online um, apps coming up like house party i don't know if you have that over there uh, you know there's tiktok and there's instagram and there's all these forums so i think that's incredibly important too to stay connected when we're all kind of restricted and isolated i think that's great advice I, I would just amplify a few of the things that you said and you said earlier as well that you do which is not listening to the news or reading the news all the time we know generally what's going on out there <laughs> my argument is that you could spend five minutes in the morning getting a sense of you know what countries are closing down which ones are opening up and you don't need to hear much more than that it'll just make you more anxious especially if you're particularly vulnerable to that kind of news the other one is this notion of the term socially distancing was interesting because that was the first phrase that was used and then it was modified and saying that you didn't have to 
to distance yourself from other people. You needed to physically distance from other people, which to amplify the point you were making, you can still, you know, connect digitally, Zooms and house party and a variety of the other uh, methods that are ways of, of connecting. And and even if you run out of things to talk about, let's say with, with family and, and friends, even the house party and those kinds of apps have all kinds of activities you can do together. And I've heard, and it's the case with my own family as well, that we are, and I have family that are that are closer, but I've got four members of our family that are physically distanced elsewhere in the city that I'm, I live in, Toronto, but also my, my son and daughter-in-law live in Los Angeles. So that's kind of farther away. But we get together for several hours on a Sunday night and have a lot of fun together. And it's actually, we're probably closer now, even though we're all physically distance because we're not socially distancing, if you uh, follow my, my reasoning. So I, I think there really are uh, some positives uh, to this. I hear a lot of people, I ask questions on uh, on Facebook and I ask uh, my questions for a Saturday, questions for a Sunday. And I, uh, I ask, what are some of the positives of this? And there's a lot. People have really, I think, seen their, the perspective of what kinds of things are important in life, getting a lot better sense of that than when you were running around like crazy and driving everywhere and flying everywhere. So I think there's this getting a perspective on it and actually acknowledging what might be some of the positives that we have here as well. So I talk, uh, Mandy, to a lot of my staff and some of them are in different situations. So there, there's uh, some people that are quarantining at home and they're young and they're single and they're in an apartment uh, in a city and are fearful of going out. So they have a unique set of challenges and wanted to sort of get your thoughts on, you know, that kind of situation. The other one is actually with partners, living with a with a partner, often in a very small like apartment and both working and trying to go to either ends of, of the apartment to actually do their calls and stuff like that. But some of those situations are also problematic. If the relationship wasn't very good to begin with, it could get worse. So what, what advice would you give to people in those situations? I suppose people that are on their own can be very tricky with no one to talk to, feeling quite isolated. And I think I find with a lot of my clients and myself included, when I have too much time on my own or too much time to think, then I can sometimes spiral downwards and, and you know, go into negative thinking mode. Um, and, you know, CBT, which is what I do, cognitive behavioral therapy, talks about how our thoughts affect our feelings and our feelings affect behavior. So if our thinking is quite negative and you know, I'm all on my own and I'm scared and nobody cares or whatever that negative thinking process is, that's going to create negative feelings, which then might create self-sabotaging behavior. So it's really important to kind of consider what you're thinking about the situation. Somebody that's on their own, again, I would say try and get out a little bit, even if it's just for a walk, if it's possible. Try and connect with people, like I said before, as much as possible online, if you can. And, and looking after yourself. And I think also keeping busy. You know, there's been times when I've been on my own and I've, I've found this new hobby. I love it. Uh, paint by numbers. <laughs> and um, actually somebody sent it to my blog and asked me if I would do a review of it. So I did one because I thought, oh, I don't know. But I've become addicted. So I've, I've ordered more and I'm still waiting for them to come. And very exciting. Yeah, I've been hearing of people starting knitting again and, you know, gardening, a lot of gardening. Uh, it's about keeping busy as well. I think if we've got too much time, you know, they say when you're in your own mind, you're in enemy territory. And I do believe that. I think we, you know, from being cavemen, we, the old brain is kind of, it's wired to look for threat. And 
when we're sitting around, we, our default mode is threat mode. So we're always looking for what could be wrong, what could work, not work for us. Um, and it's also about gratitude sometimes, just focusing on what is good. You know, we're, I know there's a lot of worry in the world, but sometimes just that little process of gratitude can up your mood immediately. You know, maybe you've got your favorite slippers on or you've just had a good cup of tea or had a great laugh with somebody online. It can be those small little moments that add up and generally overall improve your day and improve your mood. What was the other thing I was going to say? It was about mindfulness was the other thing, which I get from having a bird feeder in my garden. I love it. And I watch all the birds and the little hierarchy of who comes first. I've got woodpeckers and, you know, loads of different birds coming. And I find that quite mindful because it engages me and I'm not sitting worrying about things that I can't control. Painting, drawing, reading, anything like that, you know, online courses. If it takes up your focus, then we're less likely to sit and worry and catastrophize about things that might not happen. Um, one thing to consider as well is when you're worrying, is your worry a real worry or a hypothetical worry? A real worry would be that the dishwasher is broken down, needs to be fixed, and you can do something about that. But hypothetical worry is what if, what if I get ill, or what if this happens or that happens, and may never happen. So just that awareness can sometimes help you dismiss the the thoughts that can really frighten us. A lot of people are telling me that their self-care is leading to them being in better shape because they're doing things together with either yoga or workouts online, or like some of my staff actually get together digitally and do a yoga class just between them. Also, even like the, a lot of people are now uh, cooking more at home and actually learning to cook new dishes and, and the like, and eating a lot more healthy uh, food. And so across the board, they're getting healthier, they're getting more in fit, and they're, they're reading more, they're, they're developing their skills more so there's again some of those real positives that you can really uh, sort of focus yeah. on even even in my um my cystic fibrosis care that one that's one thing that's been good there's an exercise like personal trainer guy at the clinic and we have this system now where we can book in for exercise classes during the week and it's the first time i'm actually getting to see other people with cystic fibrosis because at the clinic we're not allowed to be near each other in case we give each other any kind of bug or whatever so that's quite been quite interesting and, and I still feel like that's being sociable as well as not, not that I'm very good at exercise and I, I'm always sort of lagging against the others but that's quite it's part of the fun but on to the second part I forgot to answer that about um, relationships you're right what you said about if there's existing problems they can be magnified in this kind of situation and I've come across that a lot since lockdown you know I've also had you know, if you, if you just if you look at the statistics, I don't know about in the States, but I'm assuming it'll be the same as here in the UK. Domestic abuse has gone up quite a lot, you know, and people are stuck and they have nowhere to call and they don't even have an opportunity to phone somebody because their partner's always there. And then their partner as well is not getting his or her usual needs met, whether that's going down to the pub or going to watch sport. So they're indoors frustrated as well. So it's just this really toxic recipe at the moment. And with that, I think, you know, that is a bit more tricky, but just having your own space, even if it means going into your room for a while or locking the bathroom door and having a bubble bath, some music, anything that just separates you for that little bit of time. Uh, and then also just trying to communicate as well as possible. But if that's not possible, then removing yourself from the situation and having little things you can do, like listening to music or, uh, you know, hopefully you, there's there's loads. I mean, I'm doing lots of online therapy at the moment, but obviously that can be tricky if you have to talk and then the other person can hear. But there are um, companies, and I think there's one in the States, a brilliant one called Talkspace. There's, there's places in the States and in the UK where you can do typing therapy. 
and you don't actually have to talk. So that could possibly be something that was more discreet. But yeah, that you know, if somebody's going through that, listening to this, they're not alone. It, it has increased quite quite exponentially. The other one that I've mentioned in previous episodes as well is that you can isolate yourself effectively also just doing it auditorially, uh, meaning like put earphones in. So in, in addition to the mindfulness techniques where you yourself are causing yourself to calm, one of the other ways that I find even in dealing with, you know, depressive ruminations and the like is to interrupt them by actually having a podcast like this <laughs> playing. Brilliant. So you, you can't think negative thoughts when they're being interrupted by somebody else, especially speaking, not just not just music playing, but somebody's actually speaking right into your ears. And so I think that's another way of sort of separating yourself from somebody else, whether you have a good relationship or not with them, you can have the greatest relationship in the world. But if you've got to be spending 24 hours a day together, it's also challenging. So you, you have to respect each other's, you know, privacy as well. So the other situation that I hear, and that's actually my own situation as well, is just having a lot of the family in the house. It solves some of the problems of people living alone, but at the same time, it mm -hmm. brings its own, you know, challenges <laughs> in terms of everybody's working from home. Everybody's now uh, needing, you know, the bathroom at the same time, and everybody goes to, to have lunch at the same time. It's like, oh my God, any thoughts that you have with regard to that, you know, situation? Yeah, a tricky one again with, with the whole family together and being on top of each other and the frustration and I think it's just, you know, one thing I do with my clients is I say to them, have a little rating that you have, like out of 10, zero to 10 on your level of either anger or anxiety or frustration. And when you feel it's getting to a seven or an eight, you need to have a little intervention. And we all have different interventions. And that, as I say, that could be going for a walk or sitting down with the, the person that's driving you nuts and that you've kind of let it go and let it go. And now you feel like, okay, I'm getting to a seven or an eight out of 10. I need to do something before we have a big eruption and then, you know, there's bad feeling. Uh, so it's about managing your emotions, uh, emotionally regulating. And, you know, I love what you were saying. Yeah, listening to podcasts. When I think about what I've been doing specifically, again, it's, yeah, it's like podcasts and watching box sets. I've just finished uh, Lost and uh, now into Ozark. So there's lots of different things we can be doing. And that's great because it keeps my mind busy. Uh, and then there's things, like you say, you had some really good ideas about, making sure you have your space sometimes, whether that's, you know, I need the office because we're sharing an office here at home, my boyfriend and I. Um, and so, you know, I have to use it sometimes for clients and we have to share. And, you know, it can be a bit annoying sometimes. Yeah, there's times, I, you know, even I feel a bit irritated. But what I do with that is I take a few deep breaths or I go and I watch the birds for a little bit, do some mindfulness. Uh, just, you know, sometimes I think what you need to do is when you get to a seven or an eight, re remove yourself from the situation so that you're just creating that little bit of an interruption from, from your thoughts, taking you to a place where you explode. And then you're even more stuck in a difficult situation that's become uncomfortable. Um, so yeah, managing your emotions is great. Having, knowing when you need that little bit of time out, go do something, go watch a funny comedy. I also love watching, um, seems me being silly and soppy. But uh, there's these animal animal um, videos on Instagram, which I find very soothing and uh, a few ooing and aahing. And I'm like, oh, and then I'm happy and I'm back to normal. <laughs> so that works for me. I don't know. You know, each person's got to find their own thing that soothes them. 
Yeah, one other stressor that comes into even, I think, relationships in this situation, as well as in families, is with regarding the, the pandemic itself, you know, how careful to be. And people are within families are at different levels of vulnerability, necessarily, uh, in terms of like grandparents, let's say, and uh, people that have particular il- you know illnesses or, uh, that are more uh, susceptible. And I've heard some stress in families where they don't see eye to eye on that. And right now, that's even further amplified by a desire for a lot of people to go out and protest. Now we've got a situation where we're trying to be physically distancing, wearing masks and uh, and the like, but when you get emotionally all fired up, and actually it's an interesting phenomenon too, as cities and countries uh, sort of open up again, so to speak, it's interesting that some restaurants I was reading are being more effective. There's one vegan restaurant in Amsterdam, I think, that actually has like see-through tents around a table, like right by the water. It's a great situation. But then there other ones that I heard that were like bars that were not being as successful because once somebody had been drinking, they weren't as careful anymore. There really is this difference of opinion, I think, and people being more careful or not. And so that's another difficult one for people to settle on. But it seems to me it's a topic that should be brought up. And like I say, I think it's stressful, certainly in, in probably about three or so families that I know, that there's a difference of opinion about being careful. Do you have any additional thoughts on any of that? I'm so glad you brought this up, actually, because it's something that I've come across in my work, where there's, you know, a discrepancy in the way people view things, and that's caused so much trouble. They have a heightened level of frustration and anxiety at the moment. And having a go at family members or friends about where they're going and, and their risk, it's almost become a legitimate form of bullying in some in some ways. Um, so sometimes it's it's got more to do with their own existing irritations and projecting on some some issues uh, about people leaving. But where there's genuine concern and it's not a fact, of, you know, sort of taking it out on somebody else. Um, you know, I don't have a, a clear answer for that. Unfortunately, it's so tricky. It, it really does come down to how well that that the cohesion of that family unit and how they communicate well and if they listen to each other properly. And, you know, I can't think of a better time to try and learn to compromise and to use your listening skills and really try and have some empathy for each other to try and get through this because it's it's so tricky. You can't leave the house and go, well, I'm, I'm coming back later because you come back later and that affects the household. So it is kind of unprecedented times. Um and I wish I had all the answers. I wish I could say definitely do this and that would solve everything. But it really is about taking it one day at a time, trying to listen to the guidelines that are out there for each individual country because we're all at different stages. Uh, you know, using your own common sense. Um, you know, I, I'm going to see a osteopath tomorrow and I'm vulnerable, but I'm going with a mask. And as long as I do the distancing from others and try and keep myself as safe as possible, um, I think, you know, that that's the best I can do. I can't, we can't foresee every possible outcome. So we just have to try and be mindful and just be in the moment and not catastrophize over what could possibly come come about. And, and that's also relevant right now, I think, with regard to when you mentioned that countries are opening up and some of them are needing to shut down again uh, because they w- weren't careful enough. But I think that it also comes down to people now uh, going back to work. I mean, some people have been at work the whole time and uh, the frontline you know workers but others are now you know slowly going back to work and it's my sense that people have to be 
mindful of their own situation and they have to feel comfortable themselves. And I think if anybody listening is running a company or team, certainly place I work has a policy with regard to going back that we're not going to force anybody to go back. You have to feel comfortable yourself. I also happen to be working in a company that can work from home. But if that's the case, then I think you need to be comfortable because all you want to avoid is, is you know, forcing yourself to go out there uh, when you're not comfortable yourself and then somehow have a bad outcome. But the other one is that you can also be too fearful. You know, now you can look at a picture of, let's say, you know, these Facebook pictures that come back and they remind you of what, what you were doing the year before. You see a group wh- when you're sitting there with a whole bunch of people in arms around each other and everything. You have an immediate reaction to that thinking, oh my God, that's so dangerous. So we've really internalized, I think, this sense of this whole new normal. And I think that some of that is very helpful, of course, to be safe. But it also can lead us, I think, to being overly sensitive and overly concerned uh, to the point where people are going to be absolutely fearful to to go out at all. So I think it's that needing to get to a, a level of balance. So I think the level of sort of anxiety that people have now, some level of it is actually practical and useful. But yet at the same time, we can overdo that and be at a situation where we need to actually use the techniques that you use all the time with CBD and all that. It's funny. I thought about that earlier today. I thought about the fact that, you know, having cystic fibrosis, there's there's a fine edge, a fine line between that as well. I can be very anxious about my health and over the top and not leave the house ever and not anyone come near me and probably think that I'm sick and ill. And sometimes the clinic can make me feel that way. And uh, and, you know, if I if I go along with that thinking, I might die before my time, I think, because I'll start thinking I'm ill and I can't do anything. But on the same on the same token, or if I if I'm in denial too much, then I might not do my treatments as well. And so isn't it funny how there's that fine line between, like you say, a level of balance. If I go too much the other way, I, I think thinking that I'm ill and that I can't do anything is bad. But then being totally in denial isn't. So it's about the, the two extremes, I guess, and finding a healthy medium in the middle. Yeah, and probably then using some of the methods that you use with your clients all the time. The anxiety level that prevents you from doing the irresponsible thing and and getting yourself infected, let's say. You don't want to reduce that anxiety necessarily if it's going to safely keep you out of danger. But at the same time, there's also those techniques, and maybe you can even just talk about that a little bit, when it is safe to go out and the place that you're going to has been completely cleaned or whatever, like everything's there, but yet you still are fearful and you shouldn't be. You know, what kinds of things people could do to to get over that anxiety? I would um, suggest a step-by-step approach, a baby baby steps approach. So if you're really anxious, don't go out crazy. And, you know, you could start with something really small and simple, like putting your mask on if you want to wear gloves and, you know, take a little bit of your antiseptic gel or whatever and just walk either for five minutes or walk around the block or even just walk outside your door for a little bit and stand there for a few minutes. It, you know, really baby steps, whatever feels safe for, for that, the individual person. And then next time, it's almost like what I would therapists would call behavioral experiments. So, you know, you have a fear. This I predict that this is going to happen. I might get ill or somebody will touch me. or And then try the experiment and then think about it afterwards and think, well, did the worst happen? Was I okay? Did I manage that? And those baby steps, those incremental steps of going out and trying new things will actually reinforce your confidence and show you that you can cope. And possibly, you know, what normally happens is even if things don't go 100% according to plan, you know, say somebody does bump into you and you think, oh, my God, you know, that they didn't keep the distance, whatever. 
more often than, than not, you'll find that nothing bad does come of that. And so even if you had a blip along the way, it still teaches you, gosh, I managed to go through that. I'm back at home now. I'm fine. So all of these things help to increase confidence. So it is baby step approaches, really. Now, before we finish up, Mandy, you've been great with taking the time we have taken thus far. What other kind of advice might you have with regard to this broader topic of dealing with a COVID world, a world of uh, social unrest? Anything else you want to add with regard to what people might do? Yes. Um, first of all, what I've mentioned already is, you know, be careful of catastrophizing of taking yourself to that worst case scenario, because often that's not what's going to happen. If you do find that you're somebody that keeps catastrophizing and thinking worst possible scenarios, there's, there's four questions you can ask yourself to try and get a little bit of perspective. And that is, what is the most likely outcome? What is the best outcome? And what is the worst outcome? And if the worst outcome was to happen, what could I do about it to cope? So this can empower people to have an, a, a plan in place if the worst was to happen. Uh, the other thing is be careful with, I, I find a lot of people have more health anxiety at the moment. Clearly, that's self-explanatory, but I find that a lot of my clients then start focusing on it more. And, you, you know, where our focus goes is what creates anxiety. And instead of being sort of a passive receptacle to your thoughts, try and focus on things that bring you a healthier state of mind, like being mindful, like keeping yourself busy with painting or speaking to people online or going for a walk in nature, instead of just sitting with those thoughts that can frighten us. And I found that a lot of my clients will then do something we call safety behaviors, which is something that we do to try and feel safe and comfort, feel some sort of comfort. Uh, safety behaviors could be things like Googling symptoms that you think, oh, I've got, I've got a heart, I'm having a heart attack, I better Google. It can backfire that kind of approach because often the stuff on, online is, you know, we, we, it's not filtered out by a medical professional, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So we're just taking it on and maybe making ourselves feel even worse. Body checking is another thing. If you can't find that you're body checking every day, again, try and just focus on other things rather than the things that these safety behaviors that can frighten us and make us worse. Um, not catastrophizing. I have a little um, an acronym that I'd like to go through with you. And it's a great little way to check in with yourself every day. And I sort of call it my sort of mood boosting plan. And I, and I check through these little things. It's not something you have to do. It just acts as a guideline to remind you to maybe incorporate these things into your life to help you feel safer and happier and more in control of things. Well, it's, it's based on the word imagine. So the I stands for self-care. So me, myself and I. And it's what have you done for yourself that day? And it could be, you know, just having a bath or doing something with your hair or doing your nails or, you know, speaking up for yourself. It can also be about psychological boundaries and not just sort of physical self-care. So just honoring yourself and being good to yourself and treating yourself with self-compassion. You know, we all make mistakes and it's just about accepting that you're human and part of the human race and not being hard on yourself. The M is for mindfulness. Uh, again, even if it's five minutes a day that you can, you know, reset your brain, stop worrying about everything that's happening around you, get back to what is real, which is what you can see and hear around you in your environment. It's a great way to just stop the busy, busy thoughts and get back to simple, simple existence, so to speak. So even if it's just five minutes a day, for me, it's looking at the birds outside or doing a bit of my painting or a podcast Anything like that is, is, is part of being mindful. The A of imagine is for acceptance. So it's about accepting what we can't change. That doesn't mean being passive and just rolling over and going, well, I can't 
control anything and this is how life is. Uh, So it's not about being passive, but it's about accepting what you can't control. And with this current situation, we do have to accept quite a bit more than we'd possibly like to. There's a lot of things that are out of our control. We don't know how this virus is spreading. We can't directly affect how the government governments are dealing with this. So we have to, within ourselves, focus on what we can control within our own households, how we want to think about it, how we want to react to it. Uh, so that's really important, the acceptance on some level, because when we resist, that creates more anxiety and more pressure. And, you know, why me? And it's not fair. And we all go through that. I have those days, self-pity. But... Uh-huh. You know, if you can put a time limit on it or realize that you're doing it and that it's not helpful and trying to get back to what you can affect. Uh, So we have IMA, G is for gratitude. Just a quick little insight, just a quick little think about what is good. You know, I mean, I'm happy to be in the country and see the birds and I can, you know, sleep in a bit later. (laughs) So those are all good things for me. And that's my little bit of gratitude. Uh, And I can still speak to my son on on Skype or give him a phone call and that that makes me happy and then I is for interaction with others um and obviously this this also would affect you know a person that's very depressed their level of of interaction might be different to somebody who's not depressed so somebody who was depressed just maybe getting up at two o'clock instead of you know four o'clock in the afternoon would be um some sort of progress and for them interaction might be just going on a forum and or, or emailing somebody, but for others, maybe interaction would be getting onto house party or Skyping someone or doing Zoom. But we are social creatures and too much time alone isn't good for our mental state. Uh, the N is for nurturing fun and playfulness. So try not to always see the world as too too seriously and don't take yourself too seriously. I think being silly sometimes, you know, skipping along the pavement or whatever you want to do, that it just lightens the mood. It's good for your, you know, laughter is great for stress, anti-stress, anti-anxiety. And the last one is E, which is a little bit more complicated, but exploring your thoughts. You know, what am I telling myself? Am I catastrophizing? Am I being self-critical? Am I seeing the world very black and white? It's good or it's bad because nothing's ever good or bad. There's lots of grays in between. Um, You know, CBT is great with this exploring your, and you know, therapies is great if you struggle with the exploring your thoughts side of things. But just remember, don't believe everything that you think, um, because that that can lead you to feeling sad and miserable when reality might be very different to what you're thinking about it. So that's in a nutshell. Imagine is I think if you can keep that in the back of your mind and try and incorporate those those, those concepts, I think it, it's a great way to maintain your mental health and help you get through this tricky time. Hey, Mandy, I just absolutely loved all of that. The imagine, I think the, the whole notion of you remembering it uh, that way. And I think all of the points that you made are not only relevant for the times we find ourselves in now, but also in general. So great stuff. I, I would think that it would be awesome if you actually wrote a book about your imagine ideas. Any thoughts on that? It's funny you should say that because I, I have started to write a book on it, actually. I'm, I'm on chapter three already, the acceptance chapter, lots of research in there as well as to why things work and why things don't work and case studies as well with uh, clients that I've worked with and you know those that didn't have mindfulness then introduced it and how it's affected them so it's a very comprehensive book but thank thank you for the vote of confidence maybe I shall 
get stuck in and, and get the um, confidence to send it to a few agents. I absolutely think you should take advantage of the quarantine time to you yeah. know, be able to write more. And I still love reading your blog on a regular basis. And if your book is like your blog, I think it'll be phenomenal. And so oh, uh, maybe you can you. tell our listeners and those who have listened regularly for a long time will probably already be subscribed to your various social media coordinates as well as your blog. But uh, remind everybody how they can follow your work and be in contact with you. Yeah, I have a, a blog that I write on daily um, and it's, it's at www.thoughtsonlifeandlove.com. And there's all sorts on there about relationships, about depression, anxiety, obsessive compulsive disorder, phobias, post-traumatic stress disorder. There's all sorts of advice on there. Um, there's also a mental health resources page for whichever country you live in in the world if you need help. Um, you know, I, I really do find it incredibly rewarding when people write to me and say that something I've written has helped them. And I just love trying to, you know, spread the word. And every new little bit of information that I found out when I do more studying or go on a course, you know, I love to share that on the blog so and keep it up to date. Um, so if there's anybody struggling out there and wants some tips on how to deal with anxiety or difficult relationships, then, you know, I'd love them to to visit the blog and see if they can. And they can write to me as well. There's a contact page on there if anybody wants um, some advice. I'm happy to help. Awesome. Well, Mandy, it's a delight to have you on the podcast again. We've done this many, many times on various topics. And so I think that the, the advice you gave in this session for this weird time that we're living through right now, we're spot on. And uh, I'd like to thank everybody that's listening to this. Hope this was helpful. And Mandy, look after yourself. Be safe. And everybody that's thank listening you. as well. Thanks ever so much. Talk to you all next time. And bye for now.